Welcome to Foundation Church's weekly message. We hope you are equipped by this message from Pastor Tom Lively. For more information about our church, please visit foundationchurchfl.com. First Peter chapter 2, verses 9 and 10. And I want you to know something this morning, church. We will never bow. Amen. You need to understand something. You're going to a church that will never compromise. Not ever. My wife sometimes gets mad at me about the words that I use. Some of you do too. I know you're not crazy about me telling people to shove things up their caboose. Vaccine whores and pimps. Just know that's as bad as it gets. I don't drop the F word, I don't, draw, I don't use the Lord's name in vain, I don't use the S word, the A word, the D word, any of it. It's as bad as it gets. But we will not bow to the Antichrist spirit. Do you understand that over here? Understand that? It's not going to happen. I don't care what they do, I don't care what they mandate, I don't care. You need to understand that it's the world for me is what it is. It's owned by the spirit of this earth. It's run by the spirit of the air and I will not bow to that garbage. My citizenship doesn't belong there. So I'm not going to bow to its king ever, nor will this church ever in a million years. You will not see it ever happen. First Peter chapter two, nine and 10. Most of you know this first, but you are a chosen generation. A royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. I will tell you, one of the biggest problems inside of the modern church is not understanding this verse. The problem with the modern church is what they try to do is get down in the muck to win people in the muck. That is not the Bible. The Bible is a, city, a shining city on a hill. It is not lowering yourself to win the low. See, I, some of you are afraid to amen that, aren't you? Because you think that it's prideful. Well, don't, be pride, don't have any pride about it because it wasn't you that did it. When you got saved, you were esteemed on high. You were seated at the right hand of the throne of grace. Amen. So you don't jump off the throne of grace to try to win people. You stay up there and you shine. That's the problem in the modern church. And that's why every church closed. Because they had to be like the lowly. Give not that which is holy unto the dogs. Neither cast ye pearls before swine. Lest they trample them under their feet and turn again and rend you. Isn't that exactly what's happening? They, Anthony Fauci tells you to jump. The church says how high. And he turns again and rends them. He hits them again and again and again and again. 15, 15 days to flatten the curve, we're just about to cross 20 months. That's why you give not that which is holy unto the dogs. Tom, are you calling them dogs? Yep. Don't care. I don't care if it hurts their feelings. It is what it is. I'm reading exactly. That's not me who said that. That's Jesus in Matthew chapter 7, verse 6. 1 Peter 2.10. Who once were not a people, but are now the people of God. Not the people of the spirit of the Antichrist. Not the people of the, of the prince of the air. The people of God. Who had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. You and I, if you are saved, if you're saved in here, shout amen. amen. And you are the royal priesthood. You are the new Levitical order. There you go. There you go. Start amen in the Bible. You are the new Levitical order. Some of you are so beaten down by our church mentality. You're brainwashed. Well, you know, I got to be lowly. Got to be. No, stop being lowly. If you're lowly, you're going to do what the lowly tells you to do. Shine. Make them have to climb your mountain. They won't climb it. They'll let you be. Take the high ground. 
shining city on a hill. You are the new Levitical order. What did God say to Aaron? This is in Numbers chapter 18, verse 20. You shall have no inheritance in their land, nor shall you have any portion among them. I am your portion, and I am your inheritance among the children of Israel. We don't have anything here. If, you're, if your eyes are fixed on anything or anybody that you can see, you're not understanding who you are. You mean, what if my eyes are fixed on a great marriage? You're wrong. I'll get to that in a minute. We are not under the world system. We have no inheritance here. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 7. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain that you will carry nothing out. You have no inheritance in this land, nor any portion among them. God, if you are a believer, God himself is your inheritance. We are not part of the world system. We're not part of anybody who's worried about supply chain right now. Understand, you don't know the Bible. I don't know if I'm going to have this, and I don't know if I'm going to have that. If you are readying yourself for a horrible uh, Christmas, you're a horrible Christian. What are you doing? Well, you know, we're getting ready. Getting ready for what? Are you part of that system? So you might as well just worship Joe Biden then. If you're part of that system and he's the one causing the problems and you're buying in, I'm not buying into anything. Whatever it is that I want, you know what the next verse is after give not that which is holy unto the dogs? Here, I'll read it to you. Give not that which is holy unto the dogs, neither cast ye your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under their feet and turn again and rend you. Ask and it shall be given you. Seek and ye shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh, receiveth. He that seeketh, findeth. And and that knocketh, it shall be opened. That's what you do. You don't sit there and go, well, what's the world system? Let me put my fingers on the pulse of the world system and go by that heart rate. Absolutely not. What do you want? If you shall ask anything in my name, I'll do it. John chapter 14, verse 14. Well, Lord, I want a great Christmas for my kids. You got it then. Watch the doors swing open. We are not under the world system. We're not under the world system of finances, economy, their thinking, and we do not rely on the world. Period. We have no portion here. See, if we have, see the thing is, you can look at that as a negative. You will, have no, you will have no inheritance in their land, nor shall you have any portion among them. It's all a positive. That means your portion and your inheritance comes from the God who has a cattle, his cattle upon a thousand hills. He, run, he never runs out. There's never a supply crisis with God. We have no inheritance in this land. We have to start thinking correctly. Philippians chapter 4 verse 19. But my God shall supply all your need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Philippians 4.19. Philippians 3.20 tells you why. For our citizenship is in heaven from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now this is how most Christians think and they use John chapter 14 verse 2 to do it. In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you I go to prepare a place for you. So most Christians think how? Someday I'm going to heaven. Someday, that's, that's, that's my destination. That's where I'm going. Do you know that that's wrong thinking? First of all, look at how Jesus frames it. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. That's active. He's doing it presently. He goes to prepare a place for you. Not once you're dead. He's going to prepare a place for you now. Stop separating heaven from here. That's your first mistake. For you, for everybody else who's not saved, that's the truth. For you, you are already a citizen of heaven. For our citizenship, listen to what Philippians 3.20 says. For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior while we're on earth, the Lord Jesus Christ. But the citizenship is already in heaven. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. 
So stop separating and stop thinking, someday I'm going to heaven. Yes, someday there will come a time when your human body expires or the Lord comes back and we will go to heaven. But here's the thing, there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth, you're coming back here. See, Christians think totally wrong, which makes them vulnerable to the enemy. They think, you know, Christians think I get saved and now I'm going to dig my claws into the ground and hold on. When you're already a citizen of heaven, you already have every single available gift that's in heaven. Psalm 27, 4, listen to this. One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. All the days of my life. To, hope, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. King David did not see the delineation between heaven and earth. That's why he was a man after God's own heart. There was no difference. Really, all of us are spiritual Enochs who was and then wasn't because God took him. You're not getting me yet. You will. Here, I'll put it in modern day vernacular for you. Heaven is an open border for you. Heaven is not your future, it's right now. The only reason why you don't believe it is because you don't know the word. You're thinking, well, no, life has been horrible, so heaven is not on earth for me. That's not the Bible. That's not, Jesus said in John chapter 10, verse 10, he said, what? The thief cometh not before to steal, to kill, and to destroy. I am come that they might have life, and they might have it more abundantly. If your life has been horrible, it's because of a series of decisions. I know some of you are victimized as children and that had nothing to do with decisions that you've made, but then it's the decisions that you make on top of that victimization. You decide what to do with that. Tom, what do you know about victimization? More than most anybody in this room. Cop for 25 years. Not because I've been victimized, but I certainly have dealt with lots of victims. It depends on how you think of it. There's a big difference between being victimized and becoming a victim. Big difference. For as he thinks in his heart, that's how it is. That's the truth. You are a citizen of heaven, period. It's not your future, it's your now. I just read it to you, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessings. Where? In the heavenly places, in Christ. That's for you right now. So heaven is an open border for you. You can cross back and forth as you see fit. Matthew chapter 6, verses 9 and 10. Heaven's an open border for us, and that's how we should pray. Look how Jesus told us to pray. After this manner, therefore, pray ye, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Finish it for me on as it is. Heaven's an open door. Well, I haven't seen those results. That's because of unbelief. You want to know how to, I got this in the second service, didn't preach it to you in the first. Although if you've been coming for a while, you've already heard it out of Matthew chapter 17 and Mark chapter 9. Mark chapter 9 around 23 and 24. Matthew 17, about 19 through 21. The apostles privately came to Jesus and said, why could we not cast it out? Now, there's Christians right now that have shut me off right in this room. You've already shut me off because I said that it was unbelief. And that violates what you consider to be love. You, how dare you, Tom? I have relatives who prayed for somebody with cancer and they were not made well. And you're saying that it was their unbelief? Yes. I'm not saying it. I'm reflecting what Jesus said. Every time. When Jesus had to come out in Mark chapter 4, 37 through 41, the great windstorm, Jesus had to be awoken to calm the wind and the waves. And then they marveled at him. Then what did he say? Why are you so fearful? How is it that you have no faith? Because they had to awake him to come out and calm the wind and the waves. What was he expecting? Remember, he was asleep in the stern on a pillow while waves were coming into the boat. And there was no cabins back then, so the waves were on Jesus while he was sleeping. 
But he expected them to calm the wind and the waves. He expects us to get rid of tumors. And if we are not, it's unbelief. Jesus gives you the solution. How bait this kind goeth not out but by prayer and fasting. Matthew 17, 21. You have to break down the fasting does not move God. Prayer does not move God. It moves you. You've already been given every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. All you do when you pray and you ask is you pop a hole into a wall that has pressurized water behind it and it just flows out. You don't even need to do anything. And Jesus gives us the answer answer in Mark chapter 9, verse 24. Immediately the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. And immediately his child was healed. But Christians are way too prideful to pray that prayer. I pray it all the time. Lord, I ask you today to dispel as much unbelief in me as you possibly can. I don't operate in pride. I'm not worried about the Bible violating my love theology. Jesus made a whip of cords and drove them all out of the temple. How does that sit with your love theology? That's why Christians strap lies on their face in virtue signal. Look how loving we are by strapping masks on our face. Look how loving we are that we're taking the vaccination. We're taking one for the team. Yeah, you're taking one for the team, all right. Satan's team. Heaven's an open door for us. Stop living to go there and start bringing heaven here. Can't wait to get to heaven. I'm gonna, uh, this is gonna be, this is gonna be borderline blasphemous for some of you. You're gonna be shocked when you get there to find out that you were supposed to do it here. There's a reason why in Revelation 21, 4, and 5, God has to wipe away every tear from people's eyes. I'm not saying you're not saved. I just said you're going to heaven. I can't be any sweeter than that. That's as sweet as I get. You're going to heaven. There you go. But you're a lot of Christians are gonna find out they're gonna be disappointed. Because they had their opportunity here. Who are you going to evangelize in heaven? Paul? (laughs) Stop living to go to heaven and start bringing heaven to earth. That's your call. From whom much is given, much is demanded. Luke chapter 12, verse 48. We've never been left alone anyway. Again, I tell you, for us, heaven is an endless conduit. We're not alone. Listen to these verses. We've never been left alone. John chapter 14, verse 3. And if I go, Jesus speaking, and prepare a place for you, right out of John 14, 2, I will come again and receive you to myself, that where I am, there you may be also. He wants you with him constantly. He always wants this. Where I am, there you will be too. He never has left us alone. Jesus, in his bodily form, fulfilled his calling. And he ascended to the right hand of the Father. He's got one part left, the Lion of Judah. The Lamb is already finished. Everybody's welcome to come into that covenant. But the work of the Lamb is done. Jesus will not die again. He will come as the Lion of Judah. But he has never left us alone. John chapter 14, 16 through 19. And I will pray the Father, and he will give you another helper, that he may abide with you forever. The Spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it neither sees him or knows him. You're different than the world. You make sure that you're different, though. Those of you who are saved, understand there's a difference between actually being different and saying that you're different. You are different than the world. Now you have to act in it. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him or knows him, but you know him for he will be, in, for he will be with you and shall be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. What is he talking about? He's not talking about his second coming right there. He's saying he's coming as the Holy Spirit. Well, Tom, how does that work? They're different. They're the same. Don't bother. Ask when you get there. 
When you see the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit as one, you'll get it. Until then, forget it. You'll get it when you see it. Don't try to understand it. Christians get sidetracked on trying to understand things. They spend their whole life trying to understand things and don't win one soul to Jesus. He never has left us alone. He says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. I am sending you the spirit of truth. See, it's an endless open door for us who are saved. It's an endless open door. There is no going to heaven. We already, I know that we're going to go when we die. I get that. But we don't really go to heaven. We transition to heaven. We transition to a full embodiment in heaven. But right now, the border is wide open. We've never been left alone. Stop thinking of someday I'm going to heaven when you have heaven at your disposal right now. That's the same thing as thinking, you know what, someday I want this blessing or that blessing. I'll use a car for an example. Someday I want an F-250, brand new 2021, 2022 F-250. I want to be able to drive it. And you keep saying it. You say it during 2021, 2022, 2023, 2024, and it's sitting out in your driveway since 2020. Someday I'm going to get it. It's already here. Someday I'm going to get it. Hey, Bozo the Clown, it's right there. And I give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. And whatever you bind on earth is bound in heaven. I've given you the keys. It's right there. Someday I'm going to be in that truck. It's right there. You're like, but I've tried it and it didn't work. How often have you prayed? Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. Look at me. How often have you prayed that? Don't tell me until you've prayed that for a significant period of time. Consistently. And what gives, what, what is it that increases faith? increase faith because you already have the measure of faith but what it does is dispel unbelief faith comes by hearing the exposure of your faith we live by the faith of the son of god everybody get that galatians chapter 2 verse 20 i am crucified with christ nevertheless i live yet not i but christ liveth in me in the life which i now live in the flesh i live by the faith of the son of god many people misquote that verse and say i live by the faith i live by faith in the son of god no you live by the faith of the son of god we have his faith the word of god gets rid of the unbelief that's holding your faith back that's why you must pray like the word said The apostles came to the Lord, Matthew chapter 17, verse 20. Why could we not cast it out? Because of your unbelief. In the exact same story, he says that to the Father. Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. So what do you do? You pray that and you study the word and you'll see miracles happen. Specific miracles. But most Christians, be honest with yourself. Have you spent years doing that? I don't know, man. I don't know how Smith Wigglesworth or John G. Lake, I don't know how they did what they did. I do. If you talk to Rodney Howard Brown, his whole life is the Bible. It just spills out of him. He know, it's like he has the whole thing memorized. Strange how that works. And suddenly he can operate in, in miracles and in power. And we have to ask ourselves, why am I not? Have we ever said to God, Lord, I believe, help my unbelief. See how quiet it gets in here? That's my anointing. I expect way more from you. I I don't want you to simply attend sermons for the rest of your life. Yes, we are all going to be in church and we are all going to be attending sermons. I'll be attending sermons this week at the minister's conference in Tampa with Pastor Rodney. I'll be there attending sermons for hours and hours and hours. No problem whatsoever. But I don't want that to be your, your total existence of, you know, I got a little goose bump here. Let me rate it today. Let's go home. We'll have a family conference. Let's rate the service. All right. How many had one or more goosebumps in here? All right. Good. And then nobody ever gets saved. No tumors are ever dispatched. Nothing. We sit around the rest of our lives rating church services. In rating uh, sermons and rating pastors or criticizing anything and everything in between. That's, that's, where, that's where the verses come in. They, they have they ha- they're having condemnation because they have cast off their first faith. 
And besides, they learn to be idle, wandering about from house to house, and not only idle, but also gossips and busybodies saying things which they ought not. That's because Christians get bored, and they got to do something to satiate the need for excitement. So they wander about from house to house talking about other Christians. They can't raise the dead. Might as well badmouth the pastor. Got to entertain myself. Listen, I'm guilty. I've done it. Don't let it be you anymore. It's not me anymore. Don't let it be you anymore. Acts chapter 1 verse 8. But you shall receive power. The world should be scared of the church. Don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit lives in you? If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy him. For God's temple is sacred and you are that temple. How many of you think like that? It's 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 16. Yes, that is a New Testament verse. He repays those who hate him to their face to destroy him. The Lord is not slack with him who hates him. He will repay him to his face. Deuteronomy chapter 7, chapter 7 verse 10. The world should be nervous about our power. You can't concede your way out of tyranny anyway, so you might as well be powerful. The modern church just thinking, well, you know what? They asked, you know, we're trying to be good community partners and yeah, community partners with the baby butchers and the vaccine whores. That's who you're going to partner with? No, thank you. I'm going to get in trouble for that whore comment right there. My wife hates it. Hates it. Refused to even talk to me after a podcast. <laughs> Seriously. She's so mad at me. As I said, vaccine whores and pimps on CTN. They were all right with it. Usually you get a phone call. We've only messed up one time. We, oh boy, it was a bad though. <laughs> we got to pay attention to the videos we show. It wasn't me, it was the video. And there was a rather bad four-letter word dropped on CTN by us. We got our, our email. But I'm not partnering with those people. They should be scared of me. I'm telling you in the future, or even now, they are. That's why they ban us. Can't have that truth get out there. This is so stupid now, and I'm not endorsing the song because it has the F word in it, but the number one song on the planet is what? Let's go, Brandon. It's banned off of YouTube. You know why they banned it off of YouTube? Medical misinformation. Where? What medical misinformation? They are scared. See, you think, you think, many of you think that you're going to love people into the kingdom of heaven. Okay. By this, my, by this, men will know that you are my disciples if you love who? You think a lot of times people think, I'm going to love the world. He who loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. First John chapter, First John chapter 2, verse 15. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world is hatred toward God? Well, I'm trying to win my adulterous neighbor over by just loving on him. Now, what you're supposed to be is shining. If that entails having a kind word, then you have a kind word. But sometimes what people start thinking is that the word is not loving. If your neighbor is committing adultery and God swings the door open... For you to speak to them about your, their life. What should you say? What if they're gay? Well, we just try to love the homosexual community. No, you preach the word. That is love. I'm not talking about being rude. Believe it or not, despite my reputation, I am not rude. I am, I'm not. You can ask my family. You can ask my friends. You can ask people that have been coming to the church for a long time. I'm not rude at all with people. I'm not demeaning to people. Nothing. I just, whatever, whatever the door is, is opened, I walk through. Sometimes the, the door that's opened is nothing. Don't say anything. Sometimes the door swings wide open and you've got to talk now. 
But the problem is so many Christians are blinded by their own version of love. Their own version of love trumps the word. Well, we don't want to call people sinners because that can pull, drive them away from the church. What kind of church do you have then? What kind of church do you have if you don't call sin, sin, or a sinner, sinners? What kind of church is it exactly? Acts chapter 1 verse 8, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. You shall receive power. That's how Jesus operated. Why are you operating in love when he operated in power? Now you're thinking, I'm saying that to bring exposure. It doesn't mean, I'm not saying that you don't love people. I'm saying that there's a false version of love that trumps the word of God. We love people who are dying instead of healing them from dying. The modern church is the very flute players and criers that Jesus cleared out of the room. You are currently, right at this moment, a citizen of heaven, not when you're dead. Our citizenship is in heaven. Let me describe you. You are one who has come the narrow way. Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. Because straight is the gate, narrow is the way, which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. You are one of the few. But you need to know something too. Congratulations on being one of the few. But then you need to flip to Matthew chapter 24, verses 10 through 13. At that time, many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. And many false prophets will appear and deceive many people. Because of the increase of wickedness, the love of most will grow cold. But he who stands firm to the end will be saved. So I'm glad you're saved now. But will you hold on? Tom, that is, you cannot say things like that. I didn't. Jesus did. And you shall be, he said it again, Matthew chapter 10, verse 22. And ye shall be hated of all men for my name's sake, but he that endureth unto the end shall be saved. If we endure, we will also reign with him. 2 Timothy chapter 2, 11 through 15. It's funny how people don't know the Bible, but they have strong stances in theology. You know why people don't? You know why people don't hold on? Why they don't endure? Because nobody ever told them they had to. They sit in an art church for 30 years and they, they're told, you know what, you're a follower of Jesus. Yeah, we know right now you're sleeping with your girlfriend and then you stop doing that and now you're smoking dope. But all the while, it's just a spiritual journey. Because they said some sort of hokey prayer 12 years ago. They need to be confronted about enduring. But no, how, how will they know unless someone preaches to them? Romans chapter 10, verse 14, they don't. The, the modern church is, is, is based on assumptions that, you know what, they're going to come in and somehow they're going to find out that which we never preach. We preach it here. Amen. Out in the open. Can you lose your salvation? Yep. That's the Bible. First Timothy chapter four, verse one, first Timothy chapter four, starting in verse one. Now the spirit speaketh expressly. That in the latter times, some shall depart from the faith. Well, they were, never, they were never saved to begin with. Then how are they departing from the faith? It makes as much sense as vaccinations. You notice it's a common spirit. Absolute truth confronted with absolute lies that make no sense. Think about vaccinations for a minute. Why is it? That if the vaccinated and the unvaccinated can transmit the virus, that only the unvaccinated are not allowed in the room. Think about it. It's very, it's very, very easy to understand. It's the same bold-faced lie as saying they were never saved to begin with. It, don't try to make sense out of it. It's just bold-faced lying. 
It's so a bunch of people who are unsaved can believe that they're saved until they find out on the day of judgment they're going straight to hell. That's why you have, that's why you have Matthew chapter 20. Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 through 23. Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works. Where is the line? Where is the problematic line? And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. Why? You work over iniquity. You never stopped sinning. Because stopping sinning is belief. Hebrews chapter 3, 18 and 19. To whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who did not believe. So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. Not obeying means that you never believed to begin with. Do you see it? Or if you live a lifestyle of disobedience, you've apostatized yourself. That's the Bible. That's not me. I know that that just cost me 10 or 12 people in this room. I know you'll never come back because I just violated your Calvinist doctrine. But instead of being offended, why don't you study? Prove me wrong. Take a month and study it out. Ask the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit. How is it that in your word, in 1 Timothy chapter 4, 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, Hebrews chapter 5, 11 through 14, you talk about the great falling away, and I've been told my whole life that you can't lose your salvation. Does anybody ever do that? I do that. Every single spiritual principle that I stand on, I've studied it out in the word. I don't just take a stand. I never start off sentences with, well, I believe. I start off sentences with the Bible. You and I have come the narrow way. We have the keys in our hands. We are joint heirs with Jesus. We are his own special people. And that carries with it its very own privileges. Let's discuss them, shall we? You are special. Proverbs chapter 15 verse 29 says this. The Lord is far from the wicked. Does that violate your love principle? It's the truth, though. He's far from Anthony Fauci? Yes. Joe Biden, the most prolific baby butcherer to ever occupy the White House? Is he far from? The, that's not how you win people. Yes, it is. The way you win people is preached. Let me ask you this. Okay, you just said that, right? I know there's people thinking that. Let's compare you to me. I know that you're not, I know that's not what you're supposed to do. But how is it that I am winning souls doing this and you're not with your love principle you ever asked where's your ministry look at me look at me look at me look at me don't bow, don't lose put your heads down i watch the crowd you don't think i do but i watch the whole time all the way i know when you're trying to hide you know i you know i just try to love people don't stop loving them and start preaching the word Love is the word. I'm not telling you not to be nice to people. I'm telling you the word trumps your version of love. You tell the homosexual when the door opens, you're going to die and go straight to hell for that sin. You tell the fornicator when the door opens, you don't just keep loving them when you know the door is open for the Holy Spirit for you to love them with the word. But you don't want to do it because it'll cost you a friend. The Lord is far from the wicked. That's a fact. There's a woman who left this church over that. Because I preached that. Well, I preached actually Proverbs chapter 10 verse 3. Which I'll, that's the next verse anyway. The Lord will not allow the righteous soul to famish. But he casts away the desires of the wicked. Because she was talking about how she would pray. Or her son would pray and he wasn't saved. And I said he casts away the desires of the wicked. That's not nice. That's. And now how many souls does she win? But she's got her love principles. How's her family? Is anybody in her family saved? No. A lot, of, a lot of Christians need to ask themselves, are you goose-egging it coming out of your house? See, I'm, some of you are like, what in the world did I walk into? <laughs> I'm trying, listen, I want you to reverse your life. 
You got goose eggs coming out of your house? What is that? Nobody's saved. Stop acting like your son or your daughter's saved when they're not. If they're standing in a worship service like this, they're not saved. You need to make that assumption. But if you're goose-egging it coming out of your house, maybe something ought to change. That version of love of yours, maybe it's Big Tommy's version that works better. Maybe it's my version that works better, which is, you know, just preach the word. You should, you should hear the things I say to my kids. From day one, you all, there's many of you in here. See, people, a lot of times, they want to be the pastor's friend. You don't. You don't. First of all, I'm, in, I'm as boring as there is. Boring. People always trying to be my friend. From the day one, when we were a church of 20, people trying to be my friend. Now we're a church of 500, trying to be my friend. Stop trying to be my friend. I'm boring. There's nothing exciting here. That's my friend laughing. It's my next door neighbor laughing right there. She knows who I am. It's basically my, my second daughter right there. She knows who I am. Boring as can be. But when it comes to my kids, the things from day one. My daughter hates when I tell stories about her. When I was potty training her, there's no hard there's no holes barred. Nothing. She used to hide behind the doors and poop in her pants. And I'd ask her, what are you doing right now? Nothing. I said, you're lying. I'd read to her Revelation 21.8. And all liars shall have their part in the lake which burns with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. She's two. (laughs) My way worked. Yours didn't. You know why? Because my way is the Bible. Your way is your Pharisaic love. Your own version of God. I don't puke out my own version of God like you do. I give them the word of God. And I said you, for all of you that will meet me at the door and say, well, you know, we agree with you and you're calling us you. Then it wasn't you. If, that, if you think like that, again, L.A. Angel has openings for 12-year-old girls. I have people send that on the podcast. I wish you'd stop yelling at us. We already agree with them. Then it's not for you. Come on. You're You're 80. Are you, when, when, are you, when exactly are you going to decide to mature? I don't get offended by anything. I, listen, I sit under the ministry of Rodney Howard Brown and Jonathan Shuttlesworth. They are coarse, man. I, when it's not for me, it's not for me. When Jonathan Shuttlesworth calls people stupid, which he does on a regular basis, which I love, if it doesn't apply to me, then I'm like, oh, it doesn't apply to me. If it does, I go, well, he's right. I'm stupid. I have lots of faults and failings, but sitting in the truth is not one of them. I'll tell you the truth. I will preach to you the truth, and I will not bow to lies. Don't, don't let it be you. Examine yourself. See how many times that is in Scripture? Galatians chapter 6, verse 4. 1 Corinthians 13, 5. Examine yourself. This isn't even the message. This has nothing to do with it. I didn't mean to get off on this. But listen, it's time to change. If you're me, you're 53. Come on, how much longer are you going to wait? You're already goosing out getting out of your house. You've already had your kids and none of them are saved. Do you want them saved before they get to judgment day? Before the great white throne judgment? Then you better start changing. You are their evangelist. They come home with their girlfriend that they're living with that you know they're having sex with. What are you going to do? What are you going to say? Well, we just, we, she's so nice. Just come on in. No. You think that's ever going to happen? You think that would ever happen in my house? It shouldn't happen in yours either. God's not a respecter of persons. I'm not above you. Think my son's ever going to walk up my driveway with a, with a 12-pack of Bud Light? Not consciously. 
Some of you, that's, well, you know, you can have one drink a day. Wine's a mocker. Why would you ever let that in your house? So sick of hearing Christians say that. First of all, no Christians abide by one drink. Again, it's one of those bold-faced lies. Just like vaccinations. Again, same lie. Well, you know, you can have one. You never stop at one. I've known one Christian woman my entire life who actually lived by that principle. One. And I was around her enough to prove it. Only one. Why would you allow anything in your, in your house that's a Proverbs 21, Proverbs chapter 20, verse 1, mocker? Wine is a mocker, strong drink is raging, and whosoever is deceived thereby is not wise. Then the Lord said to Aaron, you and your sons are not to drink wine or other fermented drink whenever you go into the tent of meeting or you will die. This is a lasting ordinance for this generation and the generation to come. Who is he speaking to? The Levitical order. What are you? There you go. I'm not saying this so you know. Don't meet me at the door with your wine stories. Okay, don't. I'm just going to blow you off anyway. So just don't meet me at the door with your wine stories. I didn't say you're going to hell because you have your glass of wine with your steak. I heard, I've heard it since 1987 from the evangelicals. And one person after another in their home doesn't get saved. Congratulations that you have your one drink. And now your son's a drunkard because you let the mocker in your house. Not me. No, thank you. What's the point anyway? You want to quench your thirst? Quench it. I'll never understand it. Cop, listen, cop right here. 25 years and one day. 1992 to 2017. I will never even, I, I sit there and I arrested copious amounts of people. Almost everybody's drunk. I work night shift patrol. I don't even know how anybody could consume that much liquid. How do you come home? Why am I not preaching the message? I don't know. <laughs> How do you come home and actually put that much liquid in your body? How do you, like, I, I knew, numerous, knew numerous people. They come home, and they're down in a 12-pack 12, 12 and a half from 5 o'clock to midnight. How do you put that much liquid in your body? I will never get it. All right, back on the message. Proverbs 10.3, the Lord will not allow the righteous soul to famish. That's you and me, the righteous soul. We cannot famish. This boat stacked up off of LA's coast have nothing to do with you. The Lord will not allow you to famish. He won't allow you not to prosper if you stand in it. You have to stand in it though. You have to say it out loud. You need to worry. You need to go ahead and, and just cast aside the worry of what if it doesn't happen and I say it in front of people. Who cares? least you have a chance. Think about it. If you pray over somebody's healing and it doesn't happen, what did you lose? Well, now everybody thinks that I'm stupid. Who cares? David danced before the Lord with all of his, David danced before the Lord with all of his might. And he was a man after God's own heart. You tried, you gave, you just come back again. That's what supplication is. Do it again. He casts away the desires of the wicked though. Is that your theology? It should be. You should be. This is why when the church thinks of itself the same as the world, the church acts like the world. The church needs to be saying, he won't allow my soul to famish, but I know that he casts away the desires of the wicked. I know that he is far from the wicked, but he's close to me. You have to think like that because Jesus is the word. If you are not following the word, then you are not following Jesus. Jesus says he casts away the desires of the wicked. He is far from them. So you don't win. So when the wicked tells you to do something, you say what? No. Put that mask on your face. Muzzle yourself. No. You're wicked. God's far from you. I won't listen to you. That's what you do. To their face. That's what God does. He will repay him to his face to destroy him. The Lord is not slack with him who hates him. He will repay him to his face. That's why we're very public here. They all know. 
They knew me before. I think I've told you this before. But when I, ca- I trespassed a lunatic out of this church, trespassed him off the property. So I had the sheriff's office come here and I tried to introduce myself to them. And they go, we know you. <laughs> because we were staying open. There wasn't anybody else open. 30 to 40% of this church left. So our parking lot was a little sparse. Went from about 170 people down to maybe 110, 115 people. That's where we were at at the time. It was a little sparse, but we were awfully full in comparison to all the other churches. And then all of you discovered the only church that was open. You had no option, so you had to come to me. <laughs> when you came, what happened when you came to me was is that you discovered that you haven't been getting preached the Bible. And that's what you discovered. Pastor Soft Pedal, Pastor COVID R. Caver, Pastor Skip Verses. You've been sitting under those guys for decades. I don't do anything but, but give you Bible verses. Which I'm going to do right now. Proverbs 15, 8 and 9. The sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord. Look at us, virtue signal. Remember, that's their sign of the cross, like a Catholic. Here's the new sign of the cross for the world's church, the COVID church. That sacrifice, that ver- all of the Christians that quarantined yourself, that was a sacrifice of the wicked that you were emulating. That mask you put on so that Uncle Billy wouldn't feel uncomfortable around you was a sacrifice emulating the wicked. I'm not putting a mask on to make anybody feel comfortable. I put a mask on twice during this whole pandemic because I wasn't allowed in Inglewood Hospital without one on. And they had to come and tell me because I marched all throughout the hospital without one on. People were walking by me. Sat in the ER, 70 people in the ER. It wasn't COVID people. 70 people in there, I'm in there, no mask. I think I just put out an air of, don't talk to me. <laughs> I do, I put on an air of, when I'm around that COVID garbage, I, look, I have a facial expression of peeved. Don't bring it here. So they wait until the very last possible second. They waited until I was about to walk into the intensive care unit before they even told me to put a mask on. We're going to need you to put a mask on. Okay. I need to go pray over the person, so I'll put a mask on. Otherwise, security's going to usher me out and I won't get my prayer done. So, The sacrifice of the, wi- sacrifice of the wicked is an abomination to the Lord. Again, this is Proverbs 15, 8 and 9. But the prayer of the upright, your prayer is his delight. There's a difference. You've entered into the straight and narrow way. You have the keys. You are a joint heir with Jesus. So your prayer is a delight to the Lord. But conversely, the prayers and the sacrifices and the mask wearing and taking one for the team of the wicked are an abomination in his eyes. Their contributions to charities are an abomination in his eyes. You are different. That's why we're told in Romans chapter 12, verse 2, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world. What's the pattern? Whatever it is, don't do it. You know the patterns. The way of the wicked, verse 9, is an abomination unto the Lord. But he loveth him that followeth after being right. What's being right? Boom. That's what's being right. Not your version of love, unless this is your version of love. If this contradicts your version of love, you are offering an abomination to the Lord. Facts. First Peter chapter three, verse 12 says this for the eyes of the Lord are where Yeah, they're on you. Are they on the wicked? No, he's angry at the wicked every day. Psalm seven 11. That's where his eyes are. The, for the eyes of the Lord are on the righteous 
and his ears are attentive to their prayers, but the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. How many times? God's not angry at you. God's not against you. He's for you. Not unless you're saved. Until you are, he will draw you, but he's angry at you every day. That's what it says. I know that 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 seems blasphemous to some of you. I know. It's because what you've been taught is a Pharisaic humanistic love. It's not the Bible. But the face of the Lord is against those who do evil. Listen to you some more. Psalm chapter 4 verse 3. But know that the Lord hath set apart him that is godly for himself. The Lord will hear when I call upon him. But know that the Lord has set apart. He set you apart. The Lord has set apart him that is godly all for himself. You are saved all for him. Set apart all for his pleasure. I'll take it. I'll take it. Better is one day in his courts than a thousand elsewhere. I would rather be a doorkeeper in the kingdom of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. Psalm chapter 84, verse 10. I'll take it. I'm glad that I and those of you in this room who are saved are pleasurable in his sight. Set apart for himself. Listen to this. Psalm chapter 2, verse 8. Ask of me and I shall give thee the heathen for thine inheritance and the other most parts of the earth for thy possession. Is, what does that mean, Tom? That means the evil, the wealth of the evil is stored up for the righteous. You're wondering where your provision is? Why haven't you taken it? If you're struggling to pay your bills, do you know that you're out of the will of God? If you're poor, do you know that you're out of the will of God if you're saved? You got to climb out. I've been poor. I've been poor and a Christian. So Tom's coming down on us. Tom's being judgmental. No, I'm not. I'm just telling you the truth. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. What is that, a Chinese proverb? Or is that 2 Corinthians 8 9? I'll give you the answer. 2 Corinthians 8 9. So you're telling us that we're all supposed to be rich? That violates my theology again. Man, this church just violates my theology, but your theology is not the Bible. Somebody's told you that being poor is an attribute. It is not. How are you going to help the poor when you are the poor? We're called to help the poor. Are we not called to feed the world? How are you going to feed them when you're broke? Explain that to me. Explain, again, explain it. See, it's always a common spirit. Explain to me how, you, how they were never saved who are falling away. Explain to me how it is that the vaccinated and the unvaccinated both spread the virus, but only the unvaccinated are not allowed in the room. It's a common spirit, a spirit that makes no sense. Jesus, Jesus explained it in John chapter 8, verse 45. Because I tell you the truth, you do not believe me. The truth itself causes them not to believe. Don't be one of those. I just gave you the verse, for your sake he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. That who? Through his poverty. You, us, we. We want to make a big difference. We want to feed the hungry in India. How are you going to do it? You got to be prosperous. You got to be wealthy. Well, I'm sending them my prayers. That means a lot. You got a little boy over there with his extended bow because he's starving to death. 300 million people have starved to death because of the response of COVID. The, remember the lovers of humanity, right? Those that are trying. There's 4 million allegedly that have died of COVID, right? Who's died since COVID began? Allegedly 4 million have died from COVID. All the world's, the world's efforts, all the world's efforts have been to save those 4 million, right? Allegedly. Although people are dropping dead from their vaccines. All the while, 300 million, that was as of May of this year, so who knows what the number is now. All the while, 300 million in primarily children have starved to death in the third world because the first world shut down. The first world that feeds the third world stopped feeding the third world to save their lives from COVID. 
And 300 million people starved to death. And that's a United Nations statistic, that bastion of right-wing conservatism. In that same time, 100 million babies have been aborted from the lifesavers. And then the Christians take their vaccine. The people who suck human beings peace by bloody peace out of the womb tell Christians to take a vaccine and they do it. Tell Christians to lock down their churches and they do it. All because Christians don't understand the delineation between wicked and themselves. God is, God is angry at them every day. And then you take your marching orders from those whom Yahweh is angry at? No, thank you. I'll close with this. You've been given authority. How many in here, in closing, will be done in seven minutes, somewhere in there, ish? I, have to, I can't keep you long because we've got the second service coming in. Got to throw people in that water over there. <laughs> we do what's called Christian waterboarding here. <laughs> Repent. Are you saved? Are you saved? Are you up? Oh, get back in there. Get back in there. <laughs> How many in here want to be pleasing to God? I, I, I like to impress Jesus. How do you do it? Let's look at these verses in these seven, eight, nine minutes, whatever we have left. Let's look at this. Luke chapter 9, 1 and 2. Then he called his 12 disciples together and gave them power and authority over all devils, including Anthony Fauci, and to cure diseases. And he sent them to preach the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. Luke chapter 10, verse 19. Behold, I give unto you power. Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Yeah, but Tom, I've seen that not work. That's because of unbelief. Drive it out. Drive it out. Drive the unbelief out. Bathe in the word of God. Stop scrolling and start studying. That's not sexy. I know. That's my ministry. Not sexy. That's my conference title. Not sexy. Here's how you impress Jesus. You embrace those verses. Luke 9, 1 and 2. Luke chapter 10, verse 19. How do you embrace them? This is where I'm closing. Matthew chapter 8, 5 through 13. When Jesus had entered into Capernaum, a centurion came to him asking for help. Lord, he said, my servant lies at home paralyzed and in terrible suffering. Jesus said to him, you know what? I'll go and heal him. The centurion replied, Lord, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof, but just say the word and my servant will be healed. For I, am a, for I myself am a man under authority. The soldiers under me, I tell this one, go, and he goes, and that one, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. When Jesus heard this, when he marvels at his faith, he is mar faith is an understanding of authority. That's all it is, is an understanding of trust. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of the unseen power of God. Hebrews 11.1. 1. When Jesus heard this, he was astonished and said to those following him, I tell you the truth, I have not found anyone in Israel with, with such great faith. His apostles were standing right there. Ouch! I say to you that many will come from the east and the west and will take their places at the feast with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. But the subjects of the kingdom will be thrown aside, outside, into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Then Jesus said to the centurion, go, it will be done just as you believed it, it would. And his servant was healed at that very hour. Jesus marveled at somebody who understood authority.
Worship team, make your way. You have something that the world does not have. Go back to those verses. Then he called his 12 disciples. Who's a disciple of Jesus in here? Then he called you together and gave you power and authority over all devils and to cure diseases. When I hear Christians say the devil has been all over me this week, I'm like, why? He gave you power and authority over all devils and to cure diseases. Behold, I give unto you power to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the, all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. If you understand these things, Jesus is marveling at you. Listen, I'll cl- I'm closing right here. Done. <laughs> Operate in it. Start taking some chances. Listen, I do it all the time. Every single every single hurdle in my life I take authority do you ever fail Tom yes I failed I never plan on failing again Lord I testify that to you now I prophesy that over my own life in Jesus name but I failed many times but I never changed my theology I never vary from this ever I take authority and I've gotten my butt kicked but I go right back again because the word will stand. The word trumps my failures. The word, word trumps my life experiences. The word trumps what I think. The word trumps what I feel. The word trumps what I think is love and what I don't think is love. The word is love because the word is Jesus. Amen. Stand with me. Praise you, Lord. Thank you so much for joining us. We know that when there are this many people in person are watching online that there is a chance that some have not started a relationship with Christ. If that's you and you would like a relationship with Jesus that washes away the stain of sin, you will need to start by repenting of your sin, confessing with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and asking him to be the Lord over your life. That means giving up control. If you have never prayed this or you have fallen away and want to return to the kingdom of life, repeat this prayer after me and mean it. Lord Jesus, I ask you right now to come into my life and be my Lord and be my Savior. I ask you to forgive me for all of my sins and I now turn from them and I give you my life from this day on in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. If you said that prayer, you are saved. Thank you for listening to Foundation Church's weekly message. We hope that you have been encouraged and empowered. If you would like to partner with us, please visit foundationchurchfl.com and click on Give.